This episode of Popcorn and Truck Tops is rated S for spoilers, so please, proceed with caution. Coming soon to a theatre near you. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Popcorn and Chuck Tops, the Boysenby ripple of the movie podcast world. Unfortunately, due to some technical issues, one of us sounds like they're trapped down a well, but rest assured, we're all okay. Now, on with the podcast. Uh, my name is Ewan Gordon, I'll be your host for this episode, and joining me remotely today from an undisclosed location around Australia is the man who is all that in a bag of chips, it's John Mackay. Hello, hello. And he ain't heavy, it's my brother, it's Rodney Gordon. No, I am heavy. What are you talking about? Good to be here, though. I was about to say he ain't heavy, he's just big-boned, but I thought that might be a bit of a put-down. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. So I think it's fair to say that uh, 2020 probably wasn't the best year for cinema going as a, as a whole, but it was a fantastic time to stay inside watching movies. Would you guys agree? Well, I think as far as movies are concerned, it was a whole, yes. <laughs> that's, that's probably a discussion for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but obviously, t- today we're going to be taking a trip down memory lane and to rank some movies of yesteryear. So I thought it might be good just to take a trip back and get our mindsets right to have a look back at the year that was 1995. Mm. Jordan returns to the NBA, OJ is innocent, and Windows 95 is crashing systems all over the planet. Uh, not to forget, a new technology called DVD is unveiled. But uh, I wouldn't worry. I'm sure VHS will live forever. After all, the sound quality is so much warmer. Paul Keating's in the Lodge, Bill Clinton's in the White House, John Major's in 10 Downing Street, and Coolio was in a gangster's paradise. Pay TV launches in Australia, enthralling stay-at-home parents everywhere with dedicated movie channels, cartoons for the kids, and non-stop reruns of EastEnders and Are You Being Served. Tennis player Nick Kyrgios has his first ever dummy spit, being born in April, and the world said goodbye to Frizz Freeling, the renowned animator and voice actor who gave birth to such animated classics as Bugs Bunny, Yosemite Sam, Tweety Pie, and Porky Pig. That is the year that was 1995, so dust off your olive khakis, break out your best plaid overshirt, tie it round your waist, and let's get rolling. As will be the case for all battles, uh, we will begin with a reading of the rules, so John, if you would please be so kind. Sure, sure, sure. Now, can I just um, point out two things in there? I loved your opening spiel there. It was very very interesting. Like, first of all, Bill Clinton, I think, was in a lot more than just the White House. Um, Second of all, can you say Frizz Freeling five times fast for me? Sure can. Uh, Frizz Freeling five times fast for me. Excellent. Uh, so rule number one, the movie must have had its cinematic release in 1995. So just because it won an award that year doesn't mean it qualified for this list because we're very picky. Rule number two, one member of the podcast team must have seen the movie at least once, probably multiple times. Uh, rule number three, if the podcast team cannot reach a unanimous decision, a simple vote will decide the winner, with the majority vote progressing through. If there is no majority, a coin toss will decide the winner. And rule number four, the panel's choice is final. Until we decide to retcon it in a sequel. Well, technically, this is a sequel. Potentially. <laughs> uh, the less said about the first attempted time we tried to record this, the better. Now, uh, <laughs> that brings uh, the, the rules of the reading to a close. Thank you very much. Uh, but now we need to read out the list of movies we have. Uh, so we've whittled down over 3,000 cinematic releases from 1995 to just 16 films. Uh, now, 1995 has been called one of the most critically acclaimed years to date. So we have to easily decided to start with what could possibly be the hardest year for us to judge. Uh, so Rodney, please, in no particular order, uh, would you be so kind as to read out the list that we're talking about today? 
Yes, absolutely. Your list of movies, should you choose to accept them, all from 1995, begins with Sev 7 and otherwise known as Seven. Then we have The Usual Suspects, Toy Story, Braveheart, Before Sunrise, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Apollo 13, GoldenEye, Mallrats, Jumanji, Bad Boys, Leaving Las Vegas, The Quick and the Dead, Clueless, Mortal Kombat, and Waterworld. Well, I think you'd all uh, properly agree there are some big hitters in that list uh, of movies for us to try and talk about and uh, try and figure out what one will win and what one will not. Would you agree? Disagree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a few that you know pop out to me straight away that uh, I reckon are potentially going to take it out. Yeah, it's easy to talk a big game. There's obviously some favourites in here, but uh, you know, it, it just depends on whether I feel like being crushed today or feeling victorious. That's <laughs> <laughs> the thing. I think there's five or six in this list that will probably uh, definitely be in the final, but that's the problem. There's only two that can make it, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. All right, well, uh, that's our list to the close. Uh, it's time for them to go head-to-head in our movie deathmatch. The last movie standing today will win our first ever movie deathmatch award, brought to you today by Grayskull Electricity. Do you have the power of Grayskull? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who will win? Only time will tell. Gentlemen, on to round one. Our first matchup of the day has been randomly selected, and it is Clueless versus Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Now, Clueless, uh, an absolute 90s classic. Uh, yeah, kind of set the bar for sort of the new generation of, of kind of, especially female led teen movies. Uh, mm. Sort of took over the flame from the John Hughes esque sort of time period. So. Yeah, it was really the first um, first one out there that, that really paid attention to itself to sort of create a timeless uh, movie. You can still watch Clueless today, and it's still relevant. So um, Yeah, and it did give us a, a very young Paul Rudd, one of the only <laughs> men in Hollywood who does not ever age. Um, <laughs> him and Keanu Reeves, I don't know what they did as children. They made some sort of a pact with the devil, but they don't, <clears throat> they don't age. It's as simple as that. If I'm remembering correctly, it was based on the book Emma. Is that right? Yes, it was. It was majorly based on the book Emma, and uh, a little bit of Shakespeare in there too. Um, yeah, there's there's been plenty of those adaptations over the years where it's like, oh, it's kind of based on that. But if we say that it's based on that, no one will go and see that. Or you know, it has to become some kind of Oscar bait or something. Um, obviously, yeah, definitely, Clueless is one of those movies that's known for being self-aware. I think it also sort of takes some of the tropes of teenage movies and. Plays with them a little bit. I'm not sure it completely subverts them, but it, it's it's very self-aware. It knows what it's doing for sure. Um, obviously, an icon for women of a certain age who saw this at a very impressionable age, and it's I'm sure it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. So I'm just warning us, guys, we have to tread lightly here. <laughs> uh, most definitely, yes. Com- considering the movie it's up against, I don't think you'd have a better battle of the sexes That's for true. the best of 1995. Mm. <laughs> Clueless versus Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, so let's let's dive into its competition. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, I think, is probably one of the best of the Die Hard series, if not the best of the Die Hard series. Oh, that's all. <laughs> um, it certainly help, falls all over Die Hard 2, which doesn't really oh, need yeah. to be talked about. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's equally up there with the first Die Hard. John McClane comes back for its third installment. Um, he has a great villain in Jeremy Irons. He has a great partner in Samuel Jackson. Uh, it's it's yeah it's one of my favorite movies to watch i have watched it at least once a year since it's come out on dvd and i owned it so i'm incredibly biased towards die hard with a vengeance um boys <laughs> your thoughts my favorite die hard movie clearly very just just clearly and it also seems a little bit like it could have been just a movie script or an idea at least that was floating around and they just kind of retconned it to be a die hard movie mm-hmm. which i don't necessarily dislike i don't no, think I... That, that counts against the movie at all 
No, I think I think definitely John McClane is one of those sort of plug and play characters, and they did yeah. that with the most recent Die Hard as well, um, which you know didn't hold a candle to with the Vengeance. Um, look, when you've got Jeremy Irons playing, you know, the penultimate bad guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's the Gruber brother coming back, so. Yeah, I was about to say, like with that with that line of they've just sort of chopped and changed a different movie plot to make it a diehard script. All you really need to do is link the bad guy in yeah. somehow. It's like, yep, this guy is yeah. the first guy. Uh, yeah. Done. They're both English. That makes sense. Yep, same, same. But having said that, like it's it's got great action. It has great uh, camaraderie. It has great uh, relationship mm. between Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. It has lines that we're probably still quoting this, to this day. Um, I think this one's a bit of a no-brainer. This one is a bit of a no-brainer in my book, but I will put it out to an official cast. Um, Clueless or Die Hard with a Vengeance, boys? What's your votes? Well, look, I. It's an interesting one because uh, we, we have, as as you know, you and tried to record this podcast before, and it was up against a different movie because you know the randomizer does what the randomizer will do. It does. Um, and in this case, like then I fought for Clueless because I really did believe it was kind of that one of those films in the 90s that you know um changed the way a particular genre of movie was done so it impacted the 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 cinema scene quite a lot um and there was a lot of thought that went into it however die hard with a vengeance is just such a fun popcorn action movie both of these films you can watch incessantly um but for me i just prefer die hard with a vengeance it's just a personal choice i don't think one's better than the other they're both great for each individual genre that they're in but um yeah die hard for me so what i'm hearing there is john is completely ignoring the female vote and just going with the the lad action movie that goes boom good good to know yeah have you have you got your (laughs) finger on the cancel button thanks yeah I think the only saving grace for you is that it's so much more than just an action movie that goes boom, and that's that's yeah. what makes it so easy to choose. I mean, again, like you, I kind of I'm really torn because I would love to fly the flag and and say Clueless, but um, I mean, if I had to sit down and watch one of these right now, it would probably be Die Hard. Yep. Uh, and I mean, I'm not here to express other people's opinions. I'm here to express mine, and I only get one vote, and I want to make it count. So, look, yeah, it, it's not an easy choice. I mean, there are going to be some other choices that are going to be very easy, but this one is one of the tougher ones up first, unfortunately. My vote is also for Die Hard. All right, so that's two votes for Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, my vote goes to Clueless because I'm a feminist. <laughs> nice! You can direct any complaints <laughs> to us up. Oh, <laughs> Who didn't see that coming? Com. <laughs> um, no, I've, I'm voting for Die Hard. It's a clean sweep across the board. Um, I personally think that Die Hard is just a much better film and uh, and therefore just has to take that one out. Um, I don't think there's any arguments against those two. Look, I, I know this is, um, you know, not in 1995, but it'd be interesting to see what our opinions are if uh, Clueless was actually 10 Things I Had About You. Mm. That competition was Again, um, you keep different. coming up with great stuff for mm. a different podcast. Mm. Um, <laughs> the Battle of the Shakespeare Reboots or something. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll table that for another time. Yeah. Uh, so, Rodney, you want to give us the next one? I can, well, I'm looking at this pairing, which is The Usual Suspects, The Water World. <laughs> usual Suspects. Uh, I, I mean, I wonder how many people have seen The Usual Suspects versus Water World, because I feel like The Usual Suspects, when it came out, was something of a sleeper. And it was only mm. later that people realized, like, oh, man, I saw this movie and my mind was completely blown. And you think you know a thing and then you don't know a thing. And then. Yeah, it was it, a bit of a matrix. Was a, yeah, it was a bit of a mm. sleeper hit. Cult classic. Yeah, I'd agree. Say. Yeah, I'd agree, Rodney. It's 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 one of those films that people didn't really know what they were getting when they went into the cinema, and I believe the marketing machine behind it marketed exactly nice. that. Yes, um, that's true. You know, it was uh, here's a film we've released it surreptitiously, and then let word of mouth do its thing because we know it's fucking awesome. So yeah, it was also released at the time where they were you know they were kind enough not to spoil the entire movie in the trailer. So 
Uh, I'm sure that, again, will be a rant for another time. But the, the usual mm. suspect's premise from memory from the trailer is just like, these cons get in trouble, and mm. how will they get out? Yep. And that's sort of it. Um, they don't release the fact that it has one of the best movie you know, uh, plot twists of all time, and mm. uh, some of the best acting from uh, the, the characters that we've seen in a long time. Um, in a world where cops can break with a slow motion fall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wonder, I mean, we'll get into what people think of it in a second. I wonder whether the fact that Kevin Spacey's cancelled these days affects no, no, the movie. I am, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I always stand up for just people's art being uh-huh. separate because if, if somebody's created music, if they've, you know, acted a piece well, it, it's kind of in a separate category for me. And that's very contentious for me to say, especially on the air, but you know, it is what it is. Um, like there are a lot of complete arsehole, like, uh, oh, I forget his name. He's one of the most famous painters of all time, but he was an absolute ass. Yes. You know, and, and we, we still respect his, his paintings. Um, sure. The guy himself is a complete C-bomb, but yeah. And it's kind of the, the same here. Now, Kevin Spacey is, you know, he's allegedly done what he's done. That's separate to me from his performance and, you know, the crafting of the whole film, the usual suspect. He's not the only one involved in the making of that film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, that doesn't count. Yeah, you no, I think it's the, okay. the same realm as, like, uh, you know, people no longer listening to Michael Jackson because of the relevance yeah, that came out nah, to him? Yeah, sorry. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, for me, I, I still like listening to Michael Jackson. I just don't, the guy himself is, is an idiot. But, you know, the music's still <laughs> the music, and he wasn't the only one involved in the creation of that, so. I think you can separate the art and the artist, and I think mm. it's okay to say I like usual suspects without necessarily saying and i also think kevin spacey is just a stand-up guy yeah well we'll get back to that again because there is another kevin spacey movie on this list mm-hmm. uh so we'll have that t- discussion a little bit later um so we'll move on to Waterworld, what has been called the biggest flop ever with the largest budget for its time that did almost <laughs> shall we say was panned pretty much across the board uh yeah. except that a lot of critics seem to like it so it still kind of makes this list well, I think I think that was the problem with it. It was again, you know, the marketing machine behind it kind of had the polar opposite to the usual suspects because they were, you know, saying it was the most expensive film ever made up to that point. And I think they raised the bar so high that when people saw what it was, it just didn't live up to the hype. It was one of those um, situations. It, I, I enjoyed the film. I didn't think it was mind uh, like groundbreaking or anything, but it was fun. This yeah. is the first one on the list that I haven't seen, so I'm going to have to rely on you guys to tell me what it's about. <laughs> okay, so I understand so, there's water. Well, a, a so, basic plot synopsis. Yeah. Um, the, the polar ice caps have melted. Uh, water covers the majority of the world's surface. Um, and things like dry land has become a, a valuable commodity. Sure. Uh, and things like petrol, for instance, uh, is a, a very rare because it's kind of needed to power machine boats and that sort of stuff. Uh, so we have Dennis Hopper as our bad guy leading a bunch of, for lack of a better term, pirates, uh, who try and get as much their hands on as much uh, you know, diesel and commodities as they can for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Kevin Costner, who is... Acting as Kevin Costner. Basically Kevin Costner in a Kevin Costner role, yeah. Dennis Hopper um, was acting as Dennis Hopper too, let's be fair. <laughs> who is, uh, who's like a, a new breed, I guess, because he's got like web feet and he has gills so he can breathe underwater and he's kind of like the, the next step in human evolution, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um... And that's, honestly, I've seen this movie a good couple of times, and that's about the best mm. I can remember about it. Yeah, I'm sure there's basically. a lot of plot in there somewhere, because they're always... Yeah, there in. is. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a Kevin movie. I think he rescues the, the romantic interest, 
And um, the, I mean, the whole plot sort of revolves around, I guess, the mythical dryland being somewhere and them trying mm. to find it and being chased by Dennis Hopper and his, his crew of, um, well, yeah, right. pirates. Well, I forget the actual term, but um, yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's your standard, you know, paint-by-numbers kind of action film plot in set in a, you know, the environment that is set. But what are you expecting out of it? Like, it, it was, I, I think people expected a bit of kind of what the matrix did but it wasn't that sort of film it was just an action film set in a different world yeah. um so I, I think it's pretty clear my vote is for the usual suspects i think um apart from the fact that i've seen it about 19 bajillion times um it, it's it's a much better film than Waterworld. has better plot has better actors had better premise uh that gets my vote uh who's up next he wants to take the brave statement and go second I mean, I've got nowhere to go other than usual suspects. I mean, it, it would be very, it would be very likely to get my vote anyway, regardless of like it could go up against at least half of these movies and still get my vote, especially against a movie that I haven't seen that sounds like Mad Max on Water. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yes. actually Much an absolute Mad Max yeah. on Water. Thank yeah. you, Reddy. Um, look, obviously, I've got to do the PC thing here and say Waterworld. No, I'm just kidding. What the usual suspects, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, hands down, but blows it out. The, right it, of water the usual right. suspects blows it out of the water. Oh, very nice. Oh, oh, moving on from that bad pun. <laughs> uh, all right, John, you want to give us the next one? Yeah, sure. So first off, we got three guys up in space that can't get back. Apollo 13. That's right. It sounds like a boy band, but it's actually a good film. Um, second off, we have Bad Boys. Bad Boys. What you're gonna do? Well, you're gonna make about what four films? So yeah, that's that's fight we have next. Apollo thirteen was what I would call a cinematic masterpiece. It looked fantastic visually. Mm. Um, a lot of the spe- uh, scenes that actually were up in space was shot in the NASA's Vomit Comet. Uh, do you guys know about this? Great name, amazing yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. It is. So they're, they're basically doing uh, like parallel uh, parabellum curves to, to get that weightlessness feel. So a lot of the time that they look weightless, they actually are weightless. It's no use of of wires <laughs> or uh, or you know CG or things like that. I'm not saying there's not wires or CG, but they did what they could to get the, the real feel to it. Vomit yeah. comedy. If that was a band, I'd go see it. Um, I would not surprise me if there was a band called Vomit Comet, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, is, is the comet made out of vomit, or is it like a normal <laughs> comet, but like behind it is a big vomit sort of tail, like a trail? Or is it a comet that makes you vomit? Oh, like, there's, like there's one that turns people into zombies, like this makes you vomit? Plumbing the depths here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Apollo 13, look, I mean, that, it was a masterpiece. You and I, I, I agree with you there. Um I've watched that a few times. I haven't watched it in years, but the acting was superlative. And to have such... I mean, it didn't have a small cast, but it had a small primary cast. Um, yes, it had quite a large ensemble, but uh, the majority yeah. of screen time, funnily enough, is on the three guys uh, stuck in the spaceship that's going around the, the moon. So, And who doesn't like that delightful Tom Hanks? So, <laughs> you know, he, I, I don't know how he got so big. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Damn, there was bad, another bad pun. I love him. Um, bad Boys, however. Look, I mean, it was a great action film for its time. The storyline was great. I've enjoyed every one of the Bad Boys films. But again, it's kind of, you know, the Waterworld thing. It's For its genre, it was enjoyable. And I've mentioned this before. I, you know, put a lot of stock into how much I enjoy a movie and can rewatch it as to sort of what will you know, ultimately win, as yeah. well as all the crafting of the films. I'll, I'll pass this over to Rodney to say his piece before I give my vote, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm pause. Push the pause button, John. <laughs> Don't segue. Don't segue. Segue <laughs> alert! 
I like that you said genre piece because I feel these are both genre pieces. One is a space. It's it, it's a prestige play for you know Academy Awards, and the other one is a play for you know the small theaters, the rowdy theaters, the theaters where people put their feet up on the seat, throw popcorn, and talk throughout the movie. That stuff drives me crazy. But you know this movie is made for those people. Uh, Apollo thirteen is made for I guess everybody else and grandmas and people who want to feel sad for a little while. Um, it's also one of those historical movies where you know what happened, kind of, because it happened. Um, and what happened? Well, I mean, it's like watching Titanic, is what I'm saying. You never yeah, think the boat's going to... You, you can say that about Titanic. There are still people who, who watch the movie and don't know what's going to happen, or don't know what was based on real events, so... Titanic too. Uh, I dare say none of our yeah. listeners uh, well, fall into that category, but yeah, sure. there are people who went in watching Apollo 13 seriously not knowing if the guys would make it back or not, so... <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to get at, though, is that some people might look at these two movies and say, well, one is clearly so much better, quote-unquote, than the other. But I think that they both do what they're trying to do really well. And just the, it's just a question of what you're up for on the day and what kind of movie you like. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to, to segregate back to John for voting before I vote. I, want well, to be, I don't want to be the first one to vote on this one. I'm going to say my piece here before you guys uh, actually officially Great. put your votes in because, yeah, I agree with the, the point that Apollo 13 does one thing and Bad Boys does another, and they both do it well. Um Bad Boys is, you know, the, the buddy cop movie where there's action, a little bit of comedy, more from the Will Smith than from his counterpart, but nevertheless. Martin Lawrence, he's, yeah. he was, he's meant to be the comedic one in the part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's meant to be, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it does the job it's meant to do. It is a popcorn action movie. Um, but as Apollo 13, as Rodney said, has just got that more serious tone to it. It's that more serious, dramatic movie. Therefore, it lends that a bit more uh, gravitas to it, shall we say. But throwing my hat in the ring, if you asked me to sit down and watch one of these movies, it would be Apollo 13 over Bad Boys, I think, just about every time. Unless I was in the mood for that stupid popcorn action-y thing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go for Apollo 13. I'll throw my hat in the ring for this one first up. Apollo 13's my vote. Mm, look, I, I, I would like to say to the creators of Bad Boys, you did a great job. Um, in fact, well, yeah, no, it was a great job. It's not too bad, boys. Um, <laughs> no, that was the sequel, Bad Boys Two. Oh, too right, bad. yeah, boys, okay. too boys, um, too bad. Too I bad, didn't see the I didn't see the first twelve Apollo films, but the thirteenth one was really good. No, the um, lucky thirteen. Yeah. yeah. So look, I mean, I, you know, thirty-seven-year-old me, I'll watch Apollo thirteen. Go back to nineteen ninety-five. I would have picked Bad Boys. It is really a coin toss for me. So, uh, but I'm going to say because I am 37 now, uh, and again, rewatchability, like I've mentioned before, and like you mentioned, Ewan, um, Apollo 13 is going to nail it for me. All right. Well, it's a done deal with Apollo 13, but Rodney, you just heard to get it in there. What was your I'm say bad boys, isn't it? Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I, 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 again, this is another one that I'm like, actually, this is a pretty close one. Um, I mean, again, I, I, yeah. I want to, I either want to actually, or at least be seen to be giving bad boys fair voice because uh again it's it does what it's trying to do mm. i personally find some bits of will smith's performance across the board pretty grating and um for that reason i'm probably gonna it's gonna it loses some votes some votes there um but i mean apollo 13 also i mean incredible performances across the board incredible production at every level this is how you make the kind of movie that he's trying to make yeah, again, I'm, it's another close one, and I don't want to always necessarily just vote with the crowd, but Apollo 13 for me here. Yeah, hey, yeah fantastic. We are, first we clean sweep. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty convincing. Mm, it's true. All right, that's three down. On to the next round, which I am going to dub Art House Corner. It is <laughs> yeah. Leaving Las Vegas versus Before Sunrise. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, leaving Las Vegas, the uh, heartfelt story based on the <laughs> book created by the screenwriter, I think, which was semi-autobiographical about a screenwriter who uh, basically just gets into a funk, doesn't really want to continue, and moves to Vegas to basically drink himself to death. It's a feel-good story. Meets up with a hooker with a heart of gold, and uh, and yeah, that's sort of the adventures of his uh, life spiraling completely out of control. Juxtapose that with Before Sunrise, <laughs> one of the, the first of the Linklater trilogy. Um, mm. Before Sunrise, is... Before Sunset, and Before Midnight? Not necessarily in that order. I think it's uh, no, you got it right. Before Sunrise yeah. is first, then Sunset, and then Midnight. Yeah, yeah which is basically the ideological story of a romantic hapless teenager traveling through Europe after a bad breakup, uh, meeting a girl on a train, convincing her to spend uh, a night walking through the streets, promising to, to meet each other again and uh, going their separate ways. And in true Linklater's style, it's it's um, pretty much, um, well, pretty much over a very small amount of time. He always seems to make quite a lot of movies um, that are over a night or over a day or over a couple of hours sort of thing. So it's mm. real time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, opposite. I'm not saying boyhood. Yeah. <laughs> boyhood. <obviously laughs> well, he goes to those extremes. Goes to the other extreme. But, um, but yeah. So I think this is going to be uh, a tough battle. I think we've said that about every movie so far. And this is what I mean by 1995 being, uh, you know, really the opposite of shooting yeah. in a barrel because there's so many great movies that came out of 1995 this will be a hard decision all the way to the end yeah i don't, um, I don't know if the usual suspects versus waterworld was that difficult for me <laughs> <laughs> well again they all can't be can't be winners however um like leaving las vegas in and of itself was a fantastic movie it's just really moving really gripping and really quite serious uh and then before sunrise has that same thing of having a really great plot and it's basically just these two main characters talking to each other for the entirety of the movie but at no point do you feel bored at no point do you feel like the the dialogue's dry or uh, sort of mm-hmm. you know, there's, no, there's nothing in that movie i would cut to, to make it a little bit shorter for instance like there's there's absolutely nothing no no scene in that movie is wasted i do uh, i will admit here some slight bias uh, i am slightly against before sunrise just off the spirit because i did try to use that pickup technique when i was uh, a youth back in in 1997 or so uh, and it did not work for me so um yeah putting that putting that out there i'm, I'm slightly against it for that reason um Hey, stranger, I promise I'm really nice. Want to spend some time with me in random locations that nobody's yeah. around? I'm a capitalist youth. Would you like to hang out with me? <laughs> it was not quite that drastic, no. <laughs> Nothing sus. But yeah, even even that, you know, teenage heartbreak aside, I think Before Sunrise is going to get my vote here. Yeah, I think it's they're, they're both really great cinematically. I think they both tell really good stories. I, both, I think they're both really excellent pieces of film. And if you haven't seen them, please go out and watch both of them. But I think Before Sunrise just gets that that little bit further ahead for me yeah i uh, <laughs> go, go for it rodney i was just gonna say before sunrise obviously spurns two sequels i won't spoil the ending of leaving las vegas but there's no possibility for sequels of that one said no you can you can spoil <laughs> okay. as much as you like it oh he dies i was gonna say that it's it's got it's got that almost on its side in that it's trying to tell a very twisted romantic kind of story. It's almost, it almost looks familiar. You almost write the ending for yourself and then you almost don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a comedy. So you know, it's not going to have a happy ending, but you maybe don't exactly know what is going to happen. Even if you maybe guess uh, this, this might not be heading somewhere very good. It just has lots of moments in it that, uh, really strong character pieces. So it's it's even not necessarily about the story. It's about the examination of the characters. And there's some scenes with 
Elizabeth Shue's character where she's obviously talking to a therapist or something and it just plays as like it, it gets into her deep background in a way that before sunrise i feel like all of that happened beforehand and it was all adapted into the script and it was kind of accommodated like we'll walk from the ferris wheel down along the river and you'll say this piece that we've preordained or whatever mm-hmm. so uh before sunrise has that benefit of you know they're exploring vienna they're they're there's ideas that come up that, that come back again later and it's it's they're both very well done but i feel like what Los what leaving las vegas is trying to do is portray characters and what before sunrise is trying to do is just it creates this kind of dream world that these two people live in for a very short period of time. They acknowledge it's going to be a short period of time, but then at the end, of course, big twist. Again, we're in the spoiler zone. Uh, they've been saying this whole time, it's just going to be tonight, and then that's it. And at the end, they say, ah, no, I don't want to do that. Let's let's meet up again. Yeah, I think they're trying to do different things, and I, I think my vote will probably be based on which of those do I uh, appreciate more. The, the story bit, the dream world creation bit, or the character bit. That's what my, my vote's going to be based on. And your vote? Is Rodney? My vote's leaving Las Vegas. Oh, very good. Interesting. Right. So, I've got wonderful before sunrise, wonderful Las Vegas. John, it comes to you. You get to decide. Yeah. What, look, what I, forward. I I have to declare, um, you know, interest here because uh, look, I am such a big fan of Kevin Smith, and his inspiration was Linklater. Um, I've seen a lot of Linklater that I loved. I mean, School of Rock is, is not as Linklater as most movies, but I love that movie. And um, sub- I think it was Suburbia. Uh, Slackers, definitely. So there's a lot of, of Linklater out there I liked. Before Sunrise and the Sunrise Trilogy, whilst I, I really do rate, it's not my favourite Linklater. Uh, it may be a lot of people's, but it's just not my cup of tea. It's a bit too as if that's going to happen. It's like, you know, one night stand for romance, romantic <laughs> films with a dash of comedy <laughs> leaving las vegas however to me is such a pure gritty realistic portrayal of how shit you know humanity can or how shit situations can get for particular people if, if they continue down the wrong track you know it proves that nick cage can actually act if he wants yes, to yes, yes, these yes. movies mm. um so and, and you know proof in that is i think he, it was the only oscar that that film won was um was for best actor um, look, for me, I- I've got to say Leaving Las Vegas because that film blew me away. Before Sunrise, I, I you know, hats off, Las Vegas. There, there are better Linklater films out there is what I'm saying, and Leaving Las Vegas was just, you know, almost perfect mm. for what it was trying to do. And, the, and you're right, Rodney, the character study is superlative in that. Um, and I do like a good character-driven piece. So, Okay. Well, while I think both of you are wrong, Leaving Las Vegas does progress through. Um, if you disagree, please, uh, you know, give us a shout-out or you know, send us an email and tell them how they're wrong. Yippee-ki-yay. Uh, move on to the uh, to the next <laughs> pairing, um, which I, again, think is probably going to be a complete whitewash, but I've been wrong before. Uh, Rodney, you want to read about? <laughs> we have. <laughs> it's it's, the, it's the, 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 the battle of two movies with one word, but they're both kind of long. More rats versus brave hearts. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, uh, well, John, what can you, you say? You, you just professed a, a love for Kevin Smith. Why don't you take the ball for this one? Yeah. I did. I did. Look, Morats of the original trilogy, uh, Clerks Morats Chasing Amy. Morats is probably the, well, uh, the most shallow, um, but it's probably one of the funniest of the three. I, I laugh my ass off in that film. I, I, I will never look at chocolate-covered pretzels the same way again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Look, I mean, it's a real tough one because Braveheart is is such an amazing, wonderfully made movie. But for me, uh, yeah, I mean, Morats did exactly what it was meant to do as well, and it did it on such a lower low budget, nowhere near as low as Clerks. I mean, Clerks was made to something like, I think it was sixty, I know thirty six thousand dollars US. Most of the money went for 
um, the music rights, and then Morats mm-hmm. didn't have that much more. Um, so it's like David and Goliath here. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, had so much money pumped into it, a stellar cast. Um, so if we're, you know, if we're comparing, we are comparing apples and oranges here, but yeah, I'll, I'll hold off on, on any kind of indication of my decision. It, it is really difficult if you look at more rats for its zone and Braveheart for its zone, as opposed to just, you know, well, which film is better? Yeah. You know, Chuck Kobe Bryant in with, uh, you know, a 10 year old um, <laughs> playing basketball for a couple of years. So you see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my first thought is more rats. It feels like kind of broke some new ground. I mean, not necessarily to say there was no other movies like it being made then or before, but it really felt like something was being tapped into and we hadn't seen anything exactly like it before. And there were sort of up and coming young stars in it. They weren't necessarily huge household names, but I mean, they would be, they would go on to be. And if you go back and look at it now, it's like, oh, there's a dozen people in this that I know. Obviously, Kevin Smith, that emerging voice, which really defined that era, that slacker era, that early 90s, mid-90s era. Um, I feel like it's got one foot in each camp of it's a little bit Clerks. It's a little bit Chasing Amy. Again, for what Clerks is trying to do, it's probably better. For what Chasing Amy is trying to do, it's probably better. But Morantz is satisfying it for both. Um, Braveheart, over-the-top, completely big drama. You know, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's a bit of a self-congratulatory piece for uh, Mel Gibson historically questionable perhaps maybe i mean obviously there's you know the the basics the skeleton of it there is all good but uh some of the details the things i've filled in the details with are a bit maybe sketchy um as is mel gibson himself um i just feel like braveheart is unlike what was the other one we were talking about before uh uh, apollo 13 i feel like apollo 13 maybe stands up a bit better in that prestigious category maybe than braveheart does which at the time it was obviously like well braveheart's the movie your dad wants to watch it everyone wants to talk about it I just feel like people maybe don't hold that esteem for it anymore. I might be wrong, but yeah, I feel like at the time, maybe Morats was doing what it did just as well as Braveheart did what it was doing. But maybe over time, uh, time has been maybe a bit kinder to Morats than Braveheart. Speaking but of look- time, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can almost watch Morats twice in the running of Braveheart. Like Braveheart seems to go for an eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and be three times yeah, as happy. Yes, it's, it's very drawn out. Yeah, that, that was a pun based on the ending of, of Braveheart right there. Yeah, we just left the room so you can hear exactly how many crickets came out of that pun. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you dropped out after we lost you. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. No, Braveheart is, you know, it's the movie for all Scotsmen to go and see, and I will wave the flag saying that I do have mm. Scottish heritage and you okay. know, loved every minute of it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an epic. Um, and for the time, um, I'm Please again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sort of relaunched that that interest in historical epic movies, like the big things. Like not long after this, we had Troy. Um, mm. After that, we had a few other ones. Uh, that's just they kind were of probably like, yeah, production. <laughs> but it just that sort of reinvigorated that big historical epic sort of movie. Um, and I'm not saying it didn't happen before this. I'm not saying it won't happen again. But it's just kind of reinvigorated mm. that love for them. Um, and I'm not sure that's such a good thing. Like, this is... At the time Braveheart came out... <laughs> at the time Braveheart came out, the average movie... You love history. The movie went for about an hour and 40 minutes on average, and Braveheart comes out ticking over three hours long, if memory serves correctly. And it's just forever to watch. And yes, it's a great story, by... and yes, it's moving, but it's just... Yeah, it's just one of those things. 
movies these days are too long. And if you want to bring, if you want to blame Braveheart for that, I'm I'm completely on board. You totally can. I mean, I would argue that um, it's probably more to do with uh, at home streaming and and no, no, episode no. lengths being an hour and a half in themselves often. Um, but yeah, no, no we'll no, say the movies got too long long before Braveheart, uh, long before streaming became a, the major fad. Um, That's right. Where I I. I, I remember the days we could go to the movie and just watch a sunrise, and, and that's the movie. Uh, we've already talked mean? about before sunrise, John. We've, we've done that one. I know you're lagging, but I didn't think it'd be quite that bad. Um, it's still before sunrise. So, yeah, if, again, going back to the rewatchability aspect that we talked about previously, if you sat me down and said, all right, I've got two DVDs, one in, one, one in each hand, one is More Rats, one is Braveheart, what do you want to stick in and watch? While it might come down to how I'm feeling at that moment, I think Moritz is going to take the, the money more than Braveheart will. Yeah, uh, look, I would agree. I I, um, I I thought I'd be contentious here by by saying my vote was going to Moritz because, uh, and it's not just because of the rewatchability. Um, I, I think Braveheart, you know, has had its awards. It certainly deserved the Oscars it won. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I mean, you can take take my Braveheart, but you'll never take my Moritz. Uh, All right, so John, excellent. Rats. Rodney, what do you got for me? My vote too in the David versus Goliath battle is for David. I would, I would go with more rats here. Um, <laughs> again, and I love that justification that Braveheart's got its awards. Let's let's let more rats have an award. <laughs> um, see, this is really tough. Um, you know, as just, I just against... because the Scottish, you know, heritage doesn't mean it's yeah. It has... Every every oh, part of every five hundred Scottish Braveheart has to win because it's Scottish. But no, I, I think I agree. Like I think. As we said, Braveheart has had its time in the sun. Moritz is a great movie. Even if this only makes six people go out and watch it, I think that's that's well worth the vote. So I'm going for Moritz over Braveheart. Moritz gets a oh, clean sweep yeah. against Braveheart. Right, Kevin, Kevin Smith, if you are listening, which I'm sure you are, um, I, I just need to say this for you because I think I you know, implanted some, some, uh, some thoughts into the other two's head. And it's, as Jay would say, the Jedi mind trick. Holy shit, motherfucking Yoda and shit. Yeah, I think the Morats turned out to be the snoochie boochiest movie of, the, of that year compared to Braveheart, and that's just how that goes. Yeah, Braveheart, no ticket. Um, more right, rats, well, more like more, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on to um, what I'm going to call the, the corniest movies on this list. Wow. Um, and that's saying a lot if you've seen some of the movies we had to reject, but we've got The Quick and the Dead, which is the Sharon Stone, Russell Crowe, Gene Hackerman, shoot 'em up Western which uh, also started very young, Leonardo DiCaprio, versus what is the kitsch classic Mortal Kombat? Leonardo's aged. I think you can add him to the collection of actors. Yeah, there you go. Just Um, his jaw ages. It's incredible. Just his jaw. (laughs) Um, Against the kitsch classic Mortal Kombat. Gentlemen, what, um, do you need, what do you need to say about it? It's Mortal Kombat in movie form. Before, before we get into the discussion, The Quick and the Dead, is it not directed by Clint Eastwood? Um, uh, I would have to check. Am I wrong in that? You could be right. I do not know off the top of my head. I will check that while you speak. But, you know, oh, um, cool, cool. it does have, you know, Sharon Stone doing that um, revenge line that you see in cowboy movies where someone killed their dad and she's got to go kill him. It turns out to be Gene Hackman, who's the mayor of a town, who... Starts a gunslinger campaign. It's a fun kind of cowboy movie to watch if you've got some time to kill him in the afternoon. As versus Mortal Kombat, where if you didn't know anything about the game walking into it, you would be confused. People who only watched the game who walked into it 
would be confused <laughs> has come out <laughs> as like this kitsch classic of mm. the movie game genre that is yeah i don't think there's a a better worst movie uh game uh, maybe based on a game out there uh, and again, uh, potentially topic for another podcast i was just gonna say that if i had to find something that both of these movies have in common it's maybe the facts that nobody asked for either of them <laughs> like, like again, I, 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 the back of my mind, I think Clint Eastwood directed The Quick and the Dead. And uh, sorry, you would be wrong. It? You would be wrong. Oh, You're thinking okay. about. I'm very happy to be corrected. But um, I will give you guys a clue and see if you get this. This particular director made his col- remade his college film into one of the best horror films ever made. There was a trilogy of them, and then he made oh, a trilogy um, of a successful superhero franchise. Brian Singer. No, it's Sam Raimi. Yeah. Ah, of course. Okay, 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 okay. Well, I, I apologize to Clint Eastwood. I apologize to Sam Raimi, and I apologize to everybody. Um, I don't think you need to apologize well, for Sam Raimi for comparing him to Clint Eastwood. Not for Sam Raimi, to Sam Raimi. Um, <laughs> yeah, you compare The thing I was going to say is this came in this era of the sort of mid to late 90s, even into 2000s, where they were like, the, the, the Western's not dead, guys. Spread mm-hmm. the word. The West is not dead. We can still make good cowboys mo- cowboy movies. Yeah. And unfortunately, like that that resurgence, like we were never going to go back to that frontier. It was just never going to happen. You could make some standout good cowboy movies here and there, classic westerns. The problem is, in the late 90s, the trend was towards subverting basically everything you could think of. Subvert it. Subvert, 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 subvert it again. And no one, no one was ultimately on board for that classic done-to-death trope of a western. Now, you had to have something else to bring to the table. And I'm not saying The Quick and the Dead doesn't do that, but it falls into that category of kind of that whole genre is just going to kind of fizzle away very, very soon. Mortal Kombat, again, um, boy, <laughs> I guess they were like, well, we've licensed this video game. We've got to do something with it. We've got the world's best techno artists on board. We've got some no-name kick-ass uh, martial artists who are going to do all the stunts for us. I guess we'll cobble together a script and then boom, as long as it's in focus, we're, we're winning here. Yeah, well, so, the best actor we can afford to deliver lines badly. Christopher Lambert, step on up. We want you to do an accent. Doesn't matter what one. You can just pick it and change it randomly throughout the movie. But um, I, I think, again, if you want to go for a bit of an underdog angle, I feel like Mortal Kombat is so charming in that way that uh, it's trying to hit that genre sweet spot. And it may not even hit it. I'm not even here to say that it does. I wouldn't die on that hill. But boy, I find that a satisfying movie to watch. For me, this is this is really, really difficult. And if I could abstain, I would. Because I hate Westerns. I respect that people <laughs> like them, but I hate Westerns. I've yet to see a Western that's really grabbed me. There's been some... Ama- I love cinematography, and there's been some amazing cinematography in Westerns, but... Uh, just, just not in this movie. Crap. I mean, comedy Westerns. <laughs> Mel Brooks, I like Blazing Saddles, was brilliant, but that's not really a Western. Mortal Kombat, I just, yeah, I, I freaking hated that movie. But it's kind <laughs> of like, I don't know, it's 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 been kind of like herpes. It just doesn't go away. It keeps coming back and people dig it. It's, is it kind of a bit like the Backstreet Boys? I hated them when they came out. But as, you know, time's gone on, I I, I just love how kitsch they are. Um, well, before whether I say you can abstain on a vote or not, John, I will tell you that uh, Mortal Kombat is coming out again. They're they're remaking. Yes, the yeah, they're remaking <laughs> the. And look, I'm 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 I guess I'm I'm holding a, a candle that it will be watchable. Um, <laughs> I guess so, there's, there's no better time to make a film where half of your guys wear masks than in 2020, 2021, right? So mm, yeah, point. that's true. That's that's kind of how that runs. 
I'll put it to you know to, to Rodney to help me decide. But I'm okay if someone doesn't want to have a vote. Um, but it does mean that if you Rodney and I disagree, it does go down to a coin toss. What do you guys think? It's a bit like in poker when you want to stay and you're like, I hope everyone else in front of me stays so that I can stay. Maybe we'll just maybe you and I can vote, and then that might just let John off the hook. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I, again, it's just I, I don't have much. I mean, the cast in The Quick and the Dead were great, but I, just because there's a good cast, I, I, I wouldn't vote for a film. Um, Mortal Kombat also has Christopher Lambert. So, you know, Christopher Lambert's just awesome. <laughs> that accent, I don't know why it works, but it just does something. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll abstain where, where I can. You guys vote and, and um, yeah, right, see well, if you can convince me. John officially votes uh, a vote of no confidence in either Quick and the Dead or yeah. Mortal Kombat. Uh, Rodney, yeah. what have you got? What do you think? Jeez. Let me, let me toss it over in my head in a minute, and I'll vote by saying... Yeah, you know, maybe the theme gets it over the line for me. The theme I like. All right, so Rodney's voted for Mortal Kombat. John has abstained. I agree with Rodney's point about Westerns kind of being done, because at this time in, in movies, Westerns kind of had to go a bit more gritty and a bit more realistic. Um, and I think this tried to keep to that Hollywood Western theme a little bit too much. While it is a reasonably fun movie to watch on a rainy Sunday afternoon, I think Mortal Kombat is a much more fun movie to watch on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Um, so I think it will be a vote for Mortal Kombat from me for the Kitsch Classic, and therefore there will be no tossing of a coin. I guess Mortal Kombat had the fatality. <laughs> We're just leaving a pause there for the crickets again. That was um, good. No, 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 that was good. <laughs> uh, all right, John, you want to give us uh, the next one? Oh, this is going to be an interesting one. So we have... Uh, uh, yeah, seven, 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 what is it? Seven, seven, N. Seven, N. Seven, N. Yeah, seven, N. Um, versus Toy Story, the first fully computer animated film. Um, set the bar for many, many a studio to make lots and lots of money off. Little kids. Know, yeah. Well, yeah, little kids. No, <laughs> their parents. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I don't think um, you could find two more. Polar um, opposite films. Polar yeah. opposite films than Seven and Toy Story. Um, you know, Seven, the story about a crazy madman who is killing people uh, based on the Seven Deadly Sins and just being a complete, absolute whack job in, again, what is a great movie and a great, uh, great storyline versus Toy Story. What if your toys were alive when you went around? Um, yeah, about a young boy killing his toys. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's it's so hard to to point where you even begin to try and compare these two movies because well, that was so inter different. interesting because I, I saw this like when I moved across and sort of saw that we were we were doing these two, um, I I just had a thought and I was like, could you imagine, considering you know how Deadpool and you know adult oriented sort of films have been so successful and 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 money making these days R eighteen plus. Um, could you imagine Pixar making a new version of Seven? Mm. A little bit like Sausage Party or something like that. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, I was gonna say, can you imagine Pixar making an R-rated Toy Story? I'm like, mm, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no. See, see, I don't think so. Sausage Party was funny in bits, but it, it just wasn't a good movie. But it's Team America. Um, yeah, Team America works a bit, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm just. It'd just be interesting to see Pixar making something yeah. dark and gritty like that. But, uh, like oh, have you seen the first two minutes of Up? Are you yeah, serious? that's that's a beautiful like, story. 
That's a beautiful story, but it makes you cry. And then I forget. Yeah, when I that's, first that's saw what Pixar cinema, does. I forgot the rest of the entire movie. Like, I was just so <laughs> shocked and spellbound yeah. by that opening scene that I was done. That was it. Do you think they actually, like, I know we're going side note here on a tangent, um, but do you reckon they wrote that story and went, it doesn't really matter about what film we make now? We've done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's the other, the other 98 minutes can, what? Whatever. <laughs> I think it started as a short film of this old guy who loves his wife and loses her and goes on the adventure, and that's it. And like the the, the end of the short mm. film was him deciding to go on the adventure, and then someone's taken it to Pixar, and Pixar's like, great. And so we'll add some balloons, and we'll add a talking yeah. dog, yeah. and a weird-looking bird, and a Boy Scout, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, but, so I basically what you're saying is they, they 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 had a had a meeting and did a lot of acid. Uh, yeah, I'm not going yeah, to yeah. confirm or deny what may take place in the, the Pixar director studios, but that is our one segue per per, per podcast. So that, yeah, that yeah. segue is done. Have to t- okay. start talking about Seven and Toy Story again. Seven, Seven is a absolutely stunning film. The plot, the cinematography, the acting, the the writing, just everything about it screams brilliance to me. I have seen that film umpteen times, <laughs> more than uh, seven. But it is verse, yeah, more than seven, definitely. I, I'd watch it seven times in a day. Toy Story, however, is it started the genre, so I always respect that, and it is a great film unto itself. Having rewatched it uh, as a parent, it's still a good film and a great film for kids. But there is a lot that, like, there's much better films that Pixar have made since. So it is, it's just that nostal- nostalgia factor for me that um, really sort of holds it up in ha- such high regard. I mean. Yeah, that, that's that's my two cents. It still holds up today. Both of them do. Yeah, I think um, Toy Story is very much the Iron Man in the, the Pixar shared cinematic universe. Um, and for mm. those who are unaware, there is a Pixar theory that links all the Pixar movies together, taking place within mm, the same yes. universe. Yes, yep. Um, which we might talk about later. But while Toy Story was a trendsetter and is a fantastic movie to show kids and adults alike and did set the bar for completely computer animated movies and voice acting, like Tom Hanks is great in it. Um, so is Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah, I think at the end it, it's going to be beaten by Morgan Freeman in Seven and Morgan Freeman, Brad, Brad Pitt, Kevin Spacey, and Gwyneth Paltrow. They're just going to take it away. I think Seven wins this one for me. Look, I think the thing with Toy Story that, that maybe hasn't been mentioned yet is how it, it also broke some ground and, and established that people can go to the movies, buy their popcorn and their choc tops and spend upwards of 30 or $40 going to see what would normally, the, the generation before, would have been a kid's movie. It absolutely changed the game. It's, mm. like you say, yeah, true. a groundbreaking, a groundbreaking te- technological, it's hard for me to say, it's a groundbreaking technological achievement, top class voice acting, incredible, uh, you know, it, it changed the face of cinema. Forever, Toy Story. It's just yep. incredible. That's why my vote is for Seven, because I don't like family <laughs> movies, and Seven is a terrific movie. I love David. I love Morgan Freeman, and this this is the arrival of Morgan Freeman. Love it all. Love everything about it. Um, the style of it. Uh, again, talking about talking about the arrival of a style, David Fincher arrives. He did the game mm. before this, but people don't look back at the game. People look back at the game and kind of like laugh it off. Like, that was stupid. But if you say Seven, they're like, ah, oh, yes, now you've got yeah. me. And obviously yeah. Brad Pitt, the guy at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be anything other than Seven for me. Yeah, look, I, I'd 100% agree. Seven, hands down, it, it's going to win um, by a head. All right, that Very one good. wasn't bad. I'll give you that one. I will say, look, look we'll, we're getting we'll, better. Put, we'll put Buzz and Woody back in the bedside drawer and use them another night. All right, well, that's Seven locked in place. Our last head versus head battle to round out our 16, bring it down to eight. 
is the good fun time classics of Goldeneye and Jumanji. Um, both stories take place in a completely fictitious world, uh, and have a main <laughs> character that is completely outstrips the remaining of the cast and supporting cast alike. Yeah, Goldeneye was uh, the first of the Pierce Brosnans, the relaunch of the Bond franchise, and the first Bond to take place after the fall of the or the, stop, the end of the Cold War. So we had to have a different bad guy, and therefore we now dislike the British in Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> it does give us a fantastic Sean Bean death scene. And then we go up against Robin Williams in Jumanji, and like if we talk about standout films for Robin Williams, I think this is easily one of his best in regards to performance and how he delivers all these emotional scenes. I that's honestly tr- don't know how I'm going to vote for this one. That's all. That's all true. Before we go any further, I think the podcast rules, you know, dictate that the three of us need to talk about James Bond a bit more. I mean, we make, need to turn the whole show into James Bond show now, and we'll need to say what our what our favorite James Bond is. Who who our favorite James Bond actor is. I don't, I don't think that needs to really be said because there is only one good James Bond actor. Mm. There's only one good one. Jeez. Oh, there's this. There's, there's, Someone's uh, a Lazenby fan. Two. There's, yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, he is Australian. Like, we've got to fly that national flag. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm a classicist. And again, well, Peter uh, Sellers, know, maybe? No. I'm a, I'm yeah. A, but... <laughs> I own I mean, this I video, say, by the way. I would say I there's more than two. That's true. I would lost, say there's more than two that are good. I points for including that in the James Bond franchise. <laughs> rightly so. Rightly so. You're just a shit stirrer. Um, there's more than two, but everyone has their favourite. That's more the point. Sean Connery is the definitive Bond for me. Like, yes, he's a, a womanizer, but that's what the movies were. That's what the ethos was in the time period. And that's what the, the movie is based around, and that's how it works. Yeah, it kind of got old towards yeah, the end of his career, it. and that's why it stopped. But yeah, Bond, uh, Sean Connery is the ultimate Bond, period. I, I find it hard these days because I do feel that since the new reboot, like with Casino Royale, that it's not the same Bond anymore. It sort of mm, ended yeah. before that. like the Because I think yeah. Daniel Craig's a fantastic Bond, but it's not the same kind of film as it was uh, hence reboot but yeah like i mean i will definitely say sean connery in terms of the older films but for me it's really tough to decide between those two because D- craig's taken it in, in an entirely different direction and it is so i like gritty films like when they make the characters you know fallible and just you know put, put a little bit sprinkle a little bit of asshole in them yeah so uh, yeah I, I will say sean connery I, i'd agree with that but you know with a asterisk all right, Rodney, right. you're up. Come on, money where your mouth is. Well, yeah, I mean, you know that I'm not going to say Sean Connery, and you've you've put in your little preamble that you know it has to be Sean Connery or you're wrong. Thanks very much, but um, <laughs> I would fly the flag for Roger Moore, and I understand that Roger Moore's worst films are among the worst of the whole franchise, and, and I mean <laughs> the whole franchise. I get that. Yeah, but for me, he he just still is James Bond, sort of crouching low with a gun, poised into action. That's that's it for me. I also love that. Um, I think there's a stand up bit by. Patton Oswalt, who says, like, in the early days of of, uh, of James Bond, they hadn't worked out how to use the theme tune properly yet, so they were like, Sean Connery was just, like, packing a bag, and they were playing dun 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 It's like, it's sort of a mocking thing. It's like, hey, he's not doing any action right now. He's just packing a bag. So uh, they took a while to get it right as well. Not every Sean Connery James Bond film is perfect. So, look, that's I'll fly the flag for Roger Moore, and I hate Daniel Craig. Hate him. Hate, hate, hate him. Hate him. All right. Well, I'm still happy to call you my brother because at least you did not say Timothy Dalton. So we can continue uh, you know, <laughs> ex- exchanging anyway. gift cards at Christmases and that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> Very good. But yes, back to the topic at hand. Jumanji versus yes. Goldeneye. Jumanji based on a, a best-selling uh, children's book written for the screen. Apart from the really bad 
computer CG graphics, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and uh, do a quick YouTube search on the monkeys in Jumanji. The monkeys look absolutely <laughs> horrific. Mm-hmm. And considering this came out it's the same year as Toy Story, like the digital effects on this are yeah. absolutely horrid. And I, I would 100% agree with you. I will, you know, defend them a little bit because... I remember back in that sort of time period, sort of integrating CGI and and you know general footage was pretty crap. But I will say, look, the budget of Jumanji compared to oh, again GoldenEye was vastly different. But again, like Jumanji has got that nice fun family vibe. It did go on to spawn a couple of uh, spin-offs that have been released lately, which are pretty decent. I will admit. Yeah, surprisingly good. A lot better than I thought it was going to be. Let's put it that way. Mainly because I think so no, who... one, no one tries to be Robin Williams in the spin-off. That's they've just. But wasn't there somebody? You've got, wasn't you've got there somebody sw- in one of the Jumanji remakes that was a person, like The Rock or something, wasn't there? Yeah, The Rock. The Rock's in, okay, in cool. the, the Jumanji, so Jumanji, there whatever, you go. Welcome yeah, to the person. Jungle and the Jack Next Black, Level. Karen Gilliam. And... The Rock has a small, uh, special superpower or special character ability of yeah. smoldering intensity. Ooh. <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay $12 to see that. <laughs> like it is, it's, yeah, the new Jumanjis are a really good, fun watch. Uh, I'm not going to say they're not. They're not on this list, though. They don't compare to the old one, though, for me. Like, Robin no, Williams they're different. is fantastic on-screen presence. Um, being a, mm. a youthful boyish kid and going up against the hunter, and I don't know if this is just a little bit of, uh, you know, thinking of Robin Williams in every movie is fantastic, but his portrayal in this is, is really good. I think I'm going to have to vote for Goldeneye. I think that Pierce Brosnan's Goldeneye, it kind of reset the standard for what a Bond movie should be after the, the really bad Timothy Dalton era, and it kind of reinvigorated that action movie fun for me. Uh, and I think Goldeneye is going to beat Jumanji, and I don't know why I'm saying this out loud, but I am. <laughs> um, I think that this I'm in a unique position where I've probably seen Jumanji all the way through. I might have seen bits of Goldeneye. I can't say hand on heart that I've seen it all start to finish. But uh, that said, what I did see, I preferred over what I saw of Jumanji. And definitely I'm not um, against Pierce Brosnan as Bond. I think he does a pretty serviceable job. Um, and I hear the, the video game is really good. Never really played it myself, but I hear it's good. And that, that means something in this, this crazy old oh, world that we live in. So I'm, I'm, I'm on N64. N64, yes. Yeah, it was one of so the most popular I, games of the time. I'm casting my golden eye towards James Bond in this case. Ah, you're trying to take the mantle there, Rodney. It's <laughs> a weird flow of energy here, back and forth. Right, look, so um, I will officially advance, but John, what, do you, what have you got for us? What do you think? Yeah, look, I I freaking hate Pierce Brosnan as Bond. <laughs> it's a, like the only thing bad about that movie is him. Um, well, that's not true. There's there's some atrocious parts. But look, I just thought, look, nothing against Pierce. I've seen him in, um, what was it, the Thomas Crown Affair. Um, I thought he was brilliant casting. You know, he's been fantastic in a lot of movies i just did not like him as bond and for me jumanji was such a great movie and robin Williams, like when he gets a chance to act dramatically he's brilliant as proven time and time again mm-hmm. fisher king matt damon and ben affleck get an oscar or, or <laughs> yep. um, that's the subtitle uh, to good will hunting yeah 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 good will hunting brackets <laughs> please give matt damon and ben affleck an oscar now brackets. yeah 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 we, we really really need one we're hungry yeah so jumanji for me is 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 you know, if it was up to just me, Goldeneye in the jungle, you must wait until the dice rolls five or eight. But um, yeah, unfortunately, Goldeneye has taken it out. So Jumanji, you get my vote at least, you, you clever little bastard of a, of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, well, uh, that brings us to the end of, of round one. Uh, we now drop out 18, uh, 16 down to eight. Uh, so let's try and uh, go through these guys as quick as we can, because obviously we have blurted on about them. Uh, okay, so slightly quick fire. Die Hard with a Vengeance versus the usual suspects. No competition, usual suspects for me. Okay. I think, the usual, I think if you're if you're a fan of Die Hard, there's a good chance you'll be a fan of the Usual Suspects. Mm. But if you're a fan of the Usual Suspects, you may not like Die Hard necessarily. Um, but I feel like Usual Suspects just brings more to the table. Mm. Oh yeah, in a pinch, I have more respect for the Usual Suspects. I'll go Usual Suspects. Um, just so I can say to my wife, uh, I'm very sorry. I, I do love you, but I, I've had you have to vote for the Usual Suspects. Uh, I think Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of her favorite movies, but I think Usual Suspects will win today uh, just because it is the, the the better movie compared to Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's the journey. It's, it's the journey movie. that film. T- yeah, the journey that the Usual Suspects takes you on. It grabs you from the start and won't let go until the end. And even when you're walking out of the cinema or yeah, you, you stays turn it off, you. you it stays with you for ages. So. And like just on the rewatch rewatchability of movies, you get more mm. out of the usual subtext every time you watch it. Mm. And, and it is difficult. Up, it's something you come yeah. back that you just forgot about, or there's a line of dialogue that means something different to you now compared to, to to before. And it's so difficult to write a film that's a twist film, um, and have it rewatchable like it is. Yeah, that's true. Like the usual suspects, it's, it's generally like six cents. You know, you see it once, that's it. It's it's done. I, I I just couldn't believe that you know Bruce Willis was alive the whole time. Wait, what? And the usual, not not in the usual suspects, mate. In the <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So for me, the usual suspects it, it has to win. It's just such a great film. Everything about it just rocks. Okay, that one's a landslide. Uh, once again, I'm very sorry, my love. I do love you, but yeah, usual suspects wins hands down. Uh, on to the next one, Rodney. What do we got? But Apollo 13 versus Leaving Las Vegas. Two pretty different fields here. We're playing in two different ballparks, but. It'll be interesting to see which way people go, heightened emotions, or do you want to feel bad about yourself for a little while and life and the world in general? Leaving Las Vegas made me want to go to Las Vegas, not necessarily to have that experience, but it <laughs> sold the place to me. Do I want to go to space? I've, I'm still iffy on space. Hang on, so, wait, you didn't want to go to Vegas and pick up a hooker and drown your life away in some rat, bolt, rat hole hotel? Not in a rat hole hotel, no. Okay. No, in the Bellagio, come on. Yeah, four stars at least. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is this is this comes down to what you want on the day. I know that I hold Leaving Las Vegas in a higher regard. I know that David Stratton listed that on his list of erotic movies that people should watch one time. And for some reason, I remember that that fact. But because um, I just thought it was weird, David Stratton and erotic movies in the same part of my brain, and now it's in the same part of your brain. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks for that. Thank you very much. And it's not even an erotic movie, but I guess that's what he thinks an erotic movie is anyway. Um, erotic or neurotic? Did you? Miss well, it? I think it was a it was a, it was a way of trying to get people to watch this kind of yeah. movie by saying, "Hey, it's got a bit of you'll get titillated or whatever." Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a certain I mean, scene with Elizabeth Shue that does stick in the mind. I'm not going to lie; like it's a red blooded right. male. I'm, but I've liked Elizabeth Shue ever since she was in Cocktail. So funny to think of this as a sequel to Cocktail, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of like it's got the alcohol connection. <laughs> Cocktail two aftermath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. So voting, I, I mean, jeez, oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I respect what Leaving Las Vegas does more than what Apollo Thirteen does, but I, boy, that's a good movie. Um, I'll go, I'll go LLV. All right. That's Leaving Las Vegas. John, um, look, it's really tough because I do enjoy Apollo Thirteen, but uh, again, I'm kind of with Rodney on this one. Leaving Las Vegas is, is, yeah, it's, it's dark, it's gritty, it's, it is depressing, but it's done so well. Um, yeah, LLV for the win. All right, you're both wrong. Apollo 13 is the superior movie. 
Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. Oh, yeah, um, yeah um, I respect the decision of both of you. I do agree Leave Las Vegas is a great movie in its own right, but I think Apollo 13 is the, the better movie across the board. However, as per the rules of the podcast, Leaving Las Vegas <laughs> will, uh, <laughs> will proceed. That's done better than I thought it would. Um, I agree. Mm. Going into this, I thought it probably wouldn't make it past the second round, but it definitely has. It, it was, was very close. I will, I will put, you know, say that Apollo thirteen in my heart is a favorite, but I, I think the crafting of leaving Las Vegas sort of tipped it over the line for me. Yeah. Like again, just to talk about the, the start of the podcast, I said I had four or five movies that I thought might make the finals. Leaving Las Vegas was not one of them, um, mm-hmm. but it does come down to the luck of a draw in our uh, movie death matches. Yep. Uh, John, you want to give us the next one? <laughs> more ads versus Mortal Kombat. Do I even <laughs> need to say my vote? So John votes for what? Rodney? Uh, oh, look, I mean, if you watch these movies, you're going to have a good time watching either of them. I feel like there's a lot more people who would not get on board with what Mortal Kombat is all about. Um, and not that that's necessarily, you know, I mean, I'm here to vote for Rodney, not for you, but uh, I'm factoring that in, in terms of whether I think it's a good movie. And I think that, yeah, for all the reasons that we said before, I'll go with The Rat of Moles. So that's two votes, Moral Rights. Once again, it does not matter what I think. It does. Come on. No, nah, nobody cares. <laughs> Move on. Um, <laughs> um, I would have said out loud that uh, both of these movies, I think, have done exceptionally well. I would not have picked them to get par- either of them past the, the second round. Um, <laughs> you didn't think, yeah, you didn't, don't, didn't think Moral was going to take Braveheart. Some of the contests yeah, that it was well. up against. Uh, I had no chance that Mole Rats was going to make it that far. Um, mm. But I honestly would have voted Mortal Kombat. As much as I do love Mole Rats, I do love Kevin Smith. Um, he was a large part of my life growing up. You know, I just think that that plucky young bedob of a really bad, kitschy, you know, violence uh, computer game-based movie, um, it's, a, it's a more enjoyable watch, I think. These results say more about who we are than the movies, I Oh, think. absolutely. And that's why there's a voting system. And it's not just me overriding you guys, because I think you're wrong on multiple points. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's kind of the point. All right, writing out our top four uh, the, for the final four, who is going to be? It's seven versus Goldeneye. Um, boy, I mean, seven is just so strong, and again, Goldeneye is so a thing that it is. It's a Bond film. It's hard to think of Goldeneye outside of that little bubble of Bond films. Whereas seven, I feel like that satisfies so many people, and it gave us Gwyneth Paltrow's haircut. So. It's seven for me. <laughs> yeah, I think they went a bit too low on their haircut. <laughs> I didn't her haircut get reused in um, Contagion or something from memory? Didn't they reuse the head somewhere? I thought mm, I read that recently. Uh, yeah, potentially. Mm. It's all good. We'll check that fact later. But yeah, I think this is quite easy. I don't think I need to throw to John to say that he's voting for seven. Seven's going to beat gold my hands down. John? Hey, hey, down. hey, hang on a sec. With everything I said ag- about against about pierce brosnan you really think i'm gonna vote for seven yes yeah yeah correct yeah Yeah. nice (laughs) that's pretty much all right so that rounds down our 16 to 4 uh we now have uh the dual dual face-offs of the top four uh so running out of three to you what's our first face-off for the final spot the usual suspects versus leaving las vegas yeah again it depends on what you're showing up for i feel like the usual suspects has dynamics that leaving las vegas has in an internal way in a characterized internal way but usual suspects it has a bit of that but it's also it builds a whole world an external world and it just flexes in a way that leaving las vegas maybe doesn't it's a heavier hitter it has more it's more of a crowd pleaser uh yeah i'm not voting first this time someone else can vote first (laughs) 
Yeah, look, usually I'm a bit suspect uh, when people mm. vote for uh, for things like this. But, you know, in this case, um, look, I have seen the usual suspects an uncounted amount of times. Leaving Las Vegas is a brilliant film. Everything we've said about it is true, but hands down the usual suspects takes this cake. Between the, the two of them, they both yeah have their serious moments, but... Uh... Yeah, the, the Usual Suspects, while Leaving Las Vegas is a great movie, uh, and it has done better than I thought it would have, to be honest, I think it's this is where its journey does come to an end, uh, the bottle of a whiskey bottle, because Usual Suspects here leaves it in the dust, just cinematically, storyline-wise, I think Usual Suspects just, yeah, Usual Suspects tops that list without a problem. Yeah, we're leaving Nicolas Cage dead in a hotel bedroom while mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey triumphantly walks off down the road to progress to the next round. And like that, <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas is gone. All right, and uh, John, our last final pairing before we get to the final two, what have you got for us? Oh, this is the one I'm going to hate voting for because Morats versus Seven. Seven and Morats, Morats and Seven. What do you say? Well, uh, Morats, an amazing film. Kevin Smith, you did a great job making me laugh for what an hour, ninety-six minutes, something like that. It's very rare that I will laugh out loud as often as I have in that movie. Didn't have the substance of, of Clerks nor Chasing Amy. But, yeah, mate, sorry, seven. It's got to be seven. There's there's more. There's so many more than seven reasons as to why that film deserves to be in the top two. Yeah. We just need to point out this whole time that you has had the usual suspects in the winner box just as a placeholder. <laughs> but uh, yeah. he's just yeah. subtly deleted it just as a, like, now that now the usual suspects is into the final two, he's been like, oh, well, I can stop subtly mind-controlling you by putting that there. <laughs> um, but I am looking at the final two and going, usual suspects, okay, it's going to be usual suspects versus more rats or usual suspects, suspects versus seven. Uh, do we want to make it a face-off at the end between the usual suspects and no, seven? No, it's a different movie Good. and different year. I, I that was '96, I believe. Again, um, not Nicholas Cage film though, so we're sticking with trope. There you go. There you go. Um, go you so stalled long enough. What's your answer? More rights or seven? Seven. Seven, seven. 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 I. Uh, I think yes. It's there's no contest. I voted against more rights last time. I'm certainly not going to vote for it against seven. Seven is the the, the better movie by far. And seven is, is a I, much better movie than it is a group. This is where I will say out loud that the reason Usual Suspects was written there as the winner last time uh, is because this is the second time we were trying to record this podcast. We did have some technical issues the first time around, and the last, the winning pair to, the, to reach the final last time again was the Usual Suspects versus Seven. We have ended with the same Great. final pairing that we would have had last time when we recorded this. We've come to the yeah, it makes final me feel end. very inconsequential. And it is yeah, again, no, look, the look. Usual Suspects versus Seven. However, it just just means you've got good taste, Rodney. <laughs> um, as I will, was about to say, last time it was just John and myself. My brother has very thankfully joined us today, so there's an extra voice to try and uh, to vote for seven. But before we do <laughs> get on to the seven bandwagon, I thought it might be fun to run through a couple of the, what are we going to say, dishonorable mentions uh, for the 1995 movies. Because not all movies are created equal, as we have discussed and found out so far, but there were some movies in 1995 that I would say were the worst of the lot. And so we're going to run through a couple of them really quickly that stood out to me. I've ranked them 3, 2, 1, uh, and I want you boys to tell me what you think about them. So in third place, the third worst movie of 1995 was Johnny Mnemonic. Do you you, want us to wait after you read each one? Do you guys even remember what that movie is? Oh, yeah. Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves gets gets information implanted into his bionic implant and then has to run away from bad guys, Basically. basically. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves is a uh, a data transporter who transports more data than he can actually hold, which 
isn't how hard drives work. Uh, on the run from the Yakuza, for some reason, yeah, it's just a really bad wannabe cyberpunk movie that is horrible, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Unless you guys want look, to try and defend it. Yeah, look, I enjoyed that movie. It's a bit of a bit of a water world for me. Um, I kind of got what I expected going into it, um, and enjoyed eating some popcorn while watching. You know, it's a bit of a train wreck of a movie. Don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> It was it was enjoyable enough. <laughs> and I was in the right mood, I guess, when I saw it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did hear. I remember having heard that it was horrible before I went to it. So I think that probably helps when your expectations and you know. That is poor. true. <laughs> getting told the movie is absolutely terrible. You feel okay when it's just mediocre. Yeah. Uh, but if you walk in expecting the best thing in the world uh, and you see Johnny Mnemonic, you will walk out disappointed. Yeah, maybe I expected something too high of it. I don't know, but I I think it's one of the worst movies of 1995. Only second to Jury Duty. Um, and the tagline I've got next to this is, does anyone even remember Paulie Shaw? I think I was going to say, talk about, a, talk about a movie that you go in knowing what you're going to get. I mean, <laughs> Paulie Shaw, you've got to be kidding me. Like, he had that one character, and then he just played it in every yep. movie for a dozen more movies. And then they stopped going to theaters. They became straight to DVD. Then I think they stopped going straight to DVD. They were like, oh, just give it to your friend. We don't even worry about making money back on these things. Yeah, he's the, he's the yeah. alternate uh, universe Adam Sandler because, you know, at least Adam Sandler yeah. at the moment is still making money off what he does through Netflix. But, like, Paulie Shaw, yeah, it just has that one character. He was even in the Goofy movie as the same character. Um, <laughs> as Paulie Shaw. With the big tower of cheese, Seriously, you, I, I'm going to punch you digitally through the screen if you keep talking like Paulie Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like, it, the, did the movies have their time and place? Maybe. Is that now? No. Was it ever? No. Probably not. Paulie Shaw worked in Encino Man. That's it. Not a leading man, is he? No. I don't know uh, how... If I remember uh, after Encino you... Man, we had Biodome, and that had one of the... Uh, the no, that was... L- I think... Was that earlier than... Yeah. No, you're probably right. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I don't The fact know. that we can't even definitively say which one came at first just shows how bad they are. But if you disagree, please feel free to, to write us an email and let us know. But that... Paulie, if you're out there, mate... Please, feel free. Yep, by all means. <laughs> come, come your I'm sure you're not doing much. If you want to defend your runner, by all means, reach out and let us know. <laughs> I will happily have you on so we can talk to you about it. He's um, internet trolling. As bad as doing. a Paulie Shaw movie is, there is one movie that takes the cake for the worst film of 1995. I, it, I think it won the Raspberry Award for that year. It and did, it, will it win did, the Raspberry definitely. Award of just about any year that comes out for it. It is Showgirls. Mm. <laughs> Um, my note here the says... Art house uh, under, uh, the art house under... I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> no, you can't. The art house pierce de resistance of 1995. Correct. With a plot so deep, you couldn't see the bottom of it. Um, the movie that says, hey, we've got strippers and chicks dancing naked. What more do we need? <laughs> like, my, my note here literally says, insert joke here. Actually, the movie speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The story of a wannabe dancer going to Las Vegas to to become a, a showgirl because that's every girl's little dream is to become a a showgirl in Vegas. But there's a setup there, like oh, it knows going in what it's going to be. It had the potential to do something with it, and it yeah. also, again, for a movie that knows what it is and then still doesn't even deliver on what it is aiming to do, boy, that's a colossal failure. Yeah. Um, and- does the movie know that it's softcore porn? Because that's really. All it really That's was basically trying to what be. it was, yeah. Well, look, I mean, this, at least the script was fantastic. I mean, we have some... I, I've actually looked up some quotes here just, you know, for anything that was good, and they're all brilliant, really. I mean, you've got... It so must be weird. It there, and, yeah, no, it must be weird not having anybody come on you is quote number one that pops up. 
number two is come back when you've effed some of that baby fat off. See ya. Then she looks better than a 10-inch D, and you know it. I'm, I'm censoring myself there, but... Um, yeah, there's, there's just three of the many brilliant quotes from that movie. And this is where I hate to say it, but I'm fairly certain Showgirls did get a sequel? Yes, it did in 2011. Um, I don't... Oh, what was it? It was Showgirls 2, funnily enough. The search for more money. This. <laughs> people still... Uh, people don't know how to use the internet properly. Um, Penny's from Heaven. There we go. Oh, Penny's, no, from Penny's from Heaven. Penny's from Heaven. And, and just, just over a note, Penny Slot... A stripper from Las Vegas tries to become a star dancer on a dance television show. Oh, well, there had to be a character named either Penny or Heaven or both. But mm. Penny Slot? Yeah. Penny like, Slot is her we, name. Is, does this take place in the James Bond universe out of curiosity? <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, explain a lot about Showgirls, yeah. though, if it did take place in the James Bond universe. I think, um, I think you, thankfully, you all agree that Showgirls has to be the, the worst movie of, of 1995. Yeah, yeah. But we're not here to talk about the worst movie of the year. We're here to talk about the best movie of the year. And so, back to the topic at hand, we've had some time to just think about it and to deliberate Usual Suspects versus Seven. Um, both have Kevin Spacey in, uh, in a major role. I think in both movies, he does fantastic and uh, chews up every scene that he is in. Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt do a great job in Seven, as does Gwyneth Poulter as a supporting cast. The Usual Suspects has a stellar all-star supporting cast. I honestly don't know how I would split between the two of them. They are both very much on my must-watch list. Boys, you got to help me out. I, I need some help on this one. Yeah, it is It is a really, really tough decision. Um, like, as you mentioned, you know, this is the second um, time we've sort of discussed this and it hasn't gotten any easier. I know what, what was decided last time. I'm actually having conniptions trying to decide even that same thing again. Yeah, Usual Suspects for me is just, it's, it's so well-crafted, as I've mentioned numerous times. The acting is superlative. It's such an ensemble piece. Seven, I mean, Fincher just does exactly what he sets out to do, makes it dark, disturbing. It's got that, and I know this film was later, but that 9 millimeter vibe. Um, where you are actually disturbed throughout the entirety. You're on the edge of your seat, not because it's scary, but because it's just unsettling. From go to woe, it does it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, I know we talked about the marketing and what, what the makers mm. of the film want you to think when you go into the movie versus what it is, but I feel like Usual Suspects just re reaches reaches a little bit higher. It's got, it strives to do a little bit more than Seven does. Again, Seven for the kind of movie seven is it does everything perfectly it's flawless but that doesn't mean that another movie that's just as flawless but maybe is a little bit more lofty and goes a little bit further isn't more worthy of praise um here's, here's the scenario like seven as you said is is a perfect movie as is the usual suspects but let me give you boys that scenario maybe that might help the the scene a little bit you go to, to watch a movie in a cinema again there's only two movies playing they both start at the same time it is seven and the usual suspects which one gets your ticket money? That's the problem. I'd see both. Um, yeah. So, wait, <laughs> I mean, we have to remember, if this is 1995, I'm paying to see The Usual Suspects, but then I'm sneaking into Seven in the next year. Yeah, yeah this is true. Yeah. <laughs> Very um, true. For me, the only thing that's going to get this particular movie over the line is I think it's um, it's been more thoroughly developed and thought out in terms of you know, when the, both of them have epic twists at the end, when one of these twists is revealed, everything else in the film just drops into place and you can see just how well crafted everything has been up until the reveal point. Um, so for me, I am going to say Usual Suspects. Buy ahead. Buy... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't actually mean that. That was actually um... that's the second time on this podcast. I think you have to give yeah. you a yellow card for that. You're in yeah, the first yeah. No, 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 no. I meant by ahead purely because it was just it, it just snuck ahead of, of, of seven, and I, it's just purely for that reason that um, the crafting behind it has been just so meticulously thought out. Um, whereas there are elements of seven that are there to set the scene more than it is, uh, you know, to uh, further the plot. Well, with the usual suspects, you do have that that fun ride of going along with a, an unreliable narrator that you only find out is unreliable at the end of the movie. And then you, you kind of walk out of watching the usual suspects questioning everything that you just saw. Yeah. Um, whereas with seven, you walk out kind of questioning, well, I can't believe that just happened. Like that, that moment just happened. Yeah. And it's got that Fight Club, as much as we're saying, seven, you know, Fincher, Seven, everything, it has that Fight Club-esque sort of mode to the usual suspects in that you can go back and rewatch it and get something different. You can go back and rewatch it and get something different. I don't really get that from Seven. Mm. I still love watching it, but I don't really get more out of it every time I watch it. Yeah, wow. It's interesting that, like, if these two movies had a baby, you'd almost get Fight Club, wouldn't you? Yeah, pretty much. Horribly close, um, yeah. Oh, boy, I don't, you and I got a feeling that I know where you're going to vote. Well, so I might go, be more dramatic. First, then. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> okay. I was going to say it might be more dramatic if you do it first, but that's all right. It's your show. You can have the tie-breaking vote if there is one. Uh, but I'm sorry to say that I think that my vote is going towards the usual suspects. Well, good thing uh, you voted first because uh, it wouldn't have been dramatic at all because my vote would also go for the usual suspects. Yes. Um, is a, is a clean sweep. I think you get more out of The Usual Suspects than you do out of watching Seven, and that is not detracting from Seven in any way, shape, or form. No, it, is, no. it is a fantastic movie and deserves to be here in the, the loftiest second spot. Um, but It's uh, a magnificent Seven. I'm just going to copy and paste Usual Suspects back into that top spot where it was previously <laughs> and make sure it's all centred and bold and underlined as much as I can because it is very much the deserving winner, I think, of the best movie of 1995. I'm looking forward to the next time you guys record this and then it can see if it can, uh, you know, repeat, whether it can hold, you know, it has to defend its crown. As yeah, the that's, movie this that, year. that's the thing. Once we've done, once we've done enough of these, it'll be interesting to do like a battle of the best. Oh yeah. The best mm. of the nineties. That would mm. be an interesting thing. And if people want to see it, that's something we can absolutely do. We'll go through and do uh, 16 of these best of uh, things like 1995. I was about to say it was 16 years ago. It is 16 years ago, right? That mm. is, that's yep, how old is. the movies are. 16 years ago. Yeah, that's how old we want to say. Do we, did anyone want to say how old they were in nineteen ninety? Actually, what are we talking about? Twenty six years ago, mate. Twenty six. Oh god, twenty six years ago. Mm. Oh, sorry, I'm still in. Uh, you know, I have a cold, so I hear ours is bees. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I shouldn't say I have a cold. Should make a joke about having yeah, a cold I, in, yeah. in the current climate. Yeah, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> I'll have to go up and get a nasal swab now. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think you'd all agree the usual suspects is a deserving winner. Mm. Um, if we've upset you along the way, uh, we make no apologies for that because this is purely our opinion. Um, but if you do want to reach out, you can tweet us at uh, pchocktops on Twitter. You can visit our Facebook page, uh, Popcorn on Choc Tops podcast, or you can send us an email at popcornandchocktops at gmail.com. Um, boys, any parting words? Boy, there's some I, there's some movies here that I really thought we're going to get knocked right out and they did so much better. So I'm just proud of us for not being too close-minded. Yeah, i just like to say... Um... Well done, more rats, for being in you know the top four <laughs> because that did not happen the first time and I was devastated. Well, um, yeah, so <laughs> we could say last time we did this, obviously we did randomise the movie list, and so last time more mm. rats went against Clueless, 
Um, yeah, no, did it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Clueless was, won against Mallrats. Mallrats versus Clueless, and Clueless oh, okay. won yeah, the yeah, coin yeah. toss because there was only two people. That's right, yeah. decision was split, <laughs> yeah. and we tossed a coin. That's right. Um, I, I actually voted for Clueless in that, that pair-up, yeah. You did. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm happy to see this time around Mallrats has gone a little bit further. Very disappointed to see that Braveheart had to lose in the first round, <laughs> but that is, how the, uh, that is how the cookie crumbles. So, yeah, thank you for listening. I hope you've uh, been as entertained by this as we have by making it. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Just and sitting here silently, assuming you don't want us to say anything. You can say anything if you like. No. I'll probably stick it at the end. You're, that's <laughs> the, the, last, the last voice people here should be yours. Mm. Oh, great. I'll just yeah, lull people off to sleep with that one then. <laughs> hey, look, I put out a podcast the other day and someone literally said to me, as a compliment, I'm going to fall asleep to this. <laughs> I heard Smooth. that uh, if people fall asleep to listening to something, it had to be banal. So uh, maybe it's not so much a compliment. Mm. <laughs>